All right, it is Destination Radio time. It is Baldry's Beat, Keith Baldry, the award-winning Keith Baldry, our Global BC Legislative Bureau Chief. Always good to speak with you, Keith, and congratulations on being honoured. Uh, always great to be here, Joey. I love this. You've been uh, the touchstone for so many of us when it comes to covering COVID-19 tirelessly. I bet I could count on one hand how many days you've li- literally mm. and legitimately taken off. Uh, certainly, it is ramping back up here for you. I know your technical briefing uh, on today's 1 p.m. Uh, rather um, rare Friday yeah. Briefing with Dr. Bonnie Henry and Health Minister Adrian yeah. Dix. I should note that we will be carrying that, of course, live here on CKNW. You will be, of course, breaking it down on BC One as you always do. What are your expectations today? Yeah, so when we get a technical briefing, that means there's a lot more to what's about to be announced than just your regular fare. So uh, I'm looking for a number of new restrictions, new public health orders to be in place. I think the at the very start, I would expect a limit on crowd um, uh, crowd limits, and that has implications for the Vancouver Canucks and junior hockey teams, for example. Uh, I note the Montreal Canadiens played a game last night with zero people in the stands. I'm not sure we're going to go that far, but we could. So that certainly has to be one that uh, is on the table. Uh, there may be some implications for restaurants. We may go back to some of the old rules. I think we're basically going back, I think to some of the old rules. Perhaps we're going back to a maximum of six people at a table. Probably limits on the number of people gathering in households. Uh, there may be uh, back to essential travel only, not just highways, but ferries as well. Um, so again, we're, with the rise of the Omicron variant, uh, you're seeing jurisdictions clamp down on basically uh, trying to control the the chain of transmission. And Quebec's going substantially further than what other places are, but it may be a point where we're all going to be in the same boat at the end of the day with more restrictions as we've seen before. Okay, so when somebody's listening to what you just said, there are so many people who are exhausted and frustrated, mm-hmm. uh, understandably so, right? But when we're talking about these restrictions, these are the restrictions that as we hear time and again when watching you, you listen to and consume each and every briefing to its minutia, we would be returning to what we know works in slowing the spread in order to protect our healthcare system, right? Yeah, so it's worked before, um, but you know this new variant of concern, we don't know much about it. Um, is it a head, I heard you on with Jason Tetro, Who's you know you got one you got Sally Otto saying it's like a, a bad head cold and Jason says no it's not necessarily it could be a lot worse than that so we don't have enough data yet associated with this variant of concern um, to really make a lot of rock hard conclusions about it so you are going to see some steps taken today and in other jurisdictions and perhaps even more down the road to again curb the transmission of this very uh, uh, transmissible infectious variant it's like three times more transmissible than the Delta variant. Perhaps it doesn't lead to more hospitalizations. Let's keep our fingers crossed that it doesn't. But overwhelming the healthcare system, one, you know, Dr. Bonnie Henry has three basic tenets uh, that uh, underpins her strategy. One is to prevent the severity and uh, of the illness and deaths. That's number one. Number two, though, is to prevent the COVID-19 from overwhelming the healthcare system. And by that, it's not just necessarily, you know, stuffing hospitals full of COVID-19 patients. It's putting COVID-19 patients in there at the expense of other people who need healthcare and displacing people from hospital beds. That's the concern. And that's the concern with uh, this new variant of concern, that it could be really overwhelm the system and lead to the cancellation of even more surgeries than we're already seeing canceled. And the third one, though, 
a very important tenet, is to have a minimal disruption of society. But I think that one is now kicked to the curb for a bit because I think we are going to see some disruption of our normal societal actions. And there was a conversation on Mornings with Simi when I was tuned in just before coming on for Mike here, uh, where coming into play could be maybe a bit of a circuit breaker with schools. I mean, kids, today's yeah. the last day for public school before this break. And, you know, if if there are restrictions in place, we saw it at spring break, right? Everybody went, went about their usual travel plans or there was a big bunch of people gathering up at Whistler or there was some in Tofino and then they got back to school and, and caused a, a big surge. Yeah, um, and that's the concern this time. So I think you are going to see Dr. Henry today talk about uh, travel. Don't travel unless it's absolutely essential. Uh, don't yeah. gather unless it's absolutely essential. Um, schools, interesting. Jennifer Whiteside, the education minister yesterday, you know, dropping hints we may see some changes when schools come back after the, the Christmas break. We may go back to cohorts. We may go back to, uh, she didn't mention online learning, but perhaps there's an element of that. I know keeping the schools open has been a major priority for Dr. Henry. That's That's been a, like, probably top of the list because yeah. it protects the mental health of kids and parents. And so I think the schools will remain open, but we could see some changes. We could see some tweaks to what's going on in schools uh, after the Christmas break. But right now we're headed into an, a whole new, um, you know, era or layer out chapter, there. Chapter, yeah. A new chapter, perhaps a new wave. This is this this Omicron variant is changing everything. We went from 44 cases of Omicron on Sunday to 135 yesterday. So it, it tripled in, in number in four days. If that continues to do that, we're going to be at 1,200 cases of just Omicron alone a week from today. Um, and, you know, the 135 is a cumulative number. It wasn't part of the daily 753 yesterday. Only a, a small number of that was Omicron. But Omicron will start uh, growing in size. And an example, there's 71 cases of Omicron here in Vancouver Island pretty well all of them in the capital region, all of them probably associated with one rugby tournament in Queen's University about 10 days ago where the rugby team came back to Victoria and they, other rugby teams went to other universities around the country and brought with them the Omicron variant, and that is getting into the general population. And it's so transmissible um, that it's just spreading like wildfire. Lots of people have questions for you, Keith, as they always do. Going to line up the phone lines now. 604-280-9898 is the number. Uh, 604-280-9898 or star 9898 is a free call on your cell. So we'll get people lining up with their questions. But I want to touch on one more thing because everybody is like, why can't we get those rapid tests? Mm -hmm. Where are the rapid tests that it, literally everybody else across the country keeps referencing? Why is it that BC does not have access? Yeah, this is a very, very good question. Very puzzling. So there's different types of rapid tests. BC does have a whole bunch of rapid tests, but they're ones that need to be administered by a, a medical personnel. It requires a machine to do the testing. They're not the take-home test. Alberta somehow and Nova Scotia and now Ontario have been able to obtain these take-home tests where you just take it home yourself and administer it yourself. You don't need to be a medical expert or anything. And BC now has been told they were, we were expected to get them in November. We're only going to get them in January now, hopefully. And they all come from the federal government. So it's all about procurement. And it's inexplicable why BC wasn't up the queue uh, in terms of getting these. We're supposed to get 13.5% of all the medical equipment and PPE and rapid tests and all that, and we're not getting that when it comes to the take-home tests. And it's 
it's puzzling. Uh, I'm not sure exactly why that is. Now, having said that, on the other side of the, the question, there is a lot of rapid testing, for example, occurring in places like Denmark and Germany and United Kingdom. It's had absolutely no impact on the growth, the right. phenomenal growth of COVID-19 and Omicron in those countries. Denmark's numbers have exploded. So is the UK. The UK is just 88,000 cases today, uh, 78,000 <sighs> yesterday, uh, all-time numbers at a time when they're doing amazing amounts of rapid testing. So rapid testing is one tool, but it's not the it's not the magic bullet here. It's not the silver bullet. It's not going to fix everything. But I think it would give the public a little more peace of mind if they can test themselves and their kids on a more regular basis. Jody Vance in for Mike on this Friday. Baldry's Beat continues with Keith Baldry, our Global BC Legislative Bureau Chief. Of course, the phone lines are open for your questions for Keith Baldry. 604-280-9898 or star 9898 is a free call. You can also text. Fun fact, you can. We do have a text that basically is a question for you, Keith. This is, so when will these restrictions, the expected new incoming restrictions uh, that we will be hearing from uh, the provincial health officer and our health minister at one o'clock today. Um, When will these restrictions be in place? We have a company event today. It starts at 1 p.m. and ends after the, the the briefing. What the heck are we supposed to do? They change the restrictions in the middle of the no. event? Generally, our experience has been the restrictions don't take place. Most restrictions don't take place immediately. Um, I expect, uh, for example, Ontario announced a limit of crowd control a limit on crowd size that doesn't begin until Saturday. Um, so I, there's usually enough notice provided to businesses. There have been some notable exceptions. We recall the the ban on alcohol sales that was announced suddenly um, right. without warning. Uh, I think there was a bit of, well, considerable pushback on that. I think public health learned a lesson there. So I don't think you're gonna they're going to spring restrictions on people that take effect immediately. But we'll know more at 1 o'clock. We'll be carrying that live, of course, on NW and on BC1 as well. But uh, the re- restrictions are coming. Just don't know how many and how extensive they're going to be. We just want to touch on before we get to the phone calls, and yes, the call board is lining up. We'll, we'll get to you in just two minutes here. Just uh, about the Coquihalla reopening, uh, mm-hmm. reiterate what we know for sure here. Yeah, so it's uh, supposed to open on Monday uh, to commercial vehicles only. So commercial trucks, basically, supply chain, no recreational travel. It's amazing. I was in Rob Fleming, Transportation Minister Rob Fleming's office a few days after the big atmospheric river event, and we were looking at pictures of the Coquihalla, of just how broken it was. And both of us were struck like, oh, my goodness, like how how can this be fixed? It's going to take forever. And But, you know, the talented people who, put, who take care of the highways in this province have been working 24-7 suddenly said we can get this open by the end of January. Then they said, well, we can get this open by the beginning of January. Then it was the end of December. Now it's Monday, which is amazing. When you look at the damage that was inflicted upon that highway in so many places, to think it's going to be operational again just a couple of days from now is, is actually phenomenal. Huge shout-out to the people working around oh, the yeah. clock on that. Yeah. It's unreal. The stat of how much f- uh, debris they took away, I think the stat was that they could have put a dump truck bumper to bumper all the way from Hope to Kamloops. Kamloops, yeah. Uh, 50 Olympic swimming pools filled with rubble. That's unbelievable. (laughs) Lots of calls for you, Keith. Let's get to Dave in West Van. Welcome to the show, Dave. What's your question? Hey, Jody. Um, Here's an embarrassing little factoid. You know, these these two things happened on the same day, basically. The barge beaching itself and all the trouble up country. And do you realize the Coquihalla Highway is going to be repaired before that barge is moved off that beach. Now, Keith, why do you think that is? 
Good question. I mean, I mean, the Coquihalla, what has been done in the Coquihalla is absolutely amazing when it comes to engineering. I have, I have no first-hand or detailed knowledge of that barge. Uh, I think some people actually like it there. Uh, some people think it's a, like an art installation. But, uh, again, not exactly sure what, uh, what the problem is there. What's the holdup on the barge? All right, Casey and Burnaby, you're up next, Casey. I love that we work the barge in here. Hey, uh, hey guys, how there. you doing? Good. Good Bye. You? Hey, about this Coquihalla, I hope the government pays attention to what just happened here. Great job with everybody there. And the only reason this is happening so fast is one reason, the red tape. The government stood back, let everybody do their job, and look what happens when that happens. And they stay out of it. Yeah, well, so the tendering process wasn't the normal tendering process here. I mean, this was just basically almost an emergency order. Get to work, get this thing fixed. Now, what we're seeing with the Coke is not uh, a permanent fix. This is a this is a repair job. It's not a permanent thing. So uh, build back better is the new phrase, the new slogan in so many areas, uh, not just BC, but other places as well, was build back your infrastructure, but build it back with a mind that it has to withstand the new climate reality that it's not the 1950s and 60s anymore when it comes to temperatures and rainfall and flooding. It's a new uh, system, bigger culverts, more guards to prevent landslides. So the Coquihalla will be rebuilt uh, different than what is being rebuilt right now. All right, let's keep going down the phone line, 604-280-9898, star 9898 on your cell. Brian in Surrey, you're up next. Your question for Keith Baldry. Yeah, hey, Jody and Keith. Uh, Wondering about the dramatic increase in people attending the testing stations. And watching Global yesterday, people were being interviewed, uh, and they're lined up for hours to be tested just for peace of mind. I was under the impression that you had to have symptoms uh, before you were to attend the testing facility and and to be tested. Has there been a change there? No, it's interesting. It was sort of a bit of a phenomena that we discovered uh, yesterday. And not everywhere, but just in a couple of places, suddenly people wanting to be tested. But I think with the rise of the Omicron variant and the mild symptoms associated with it, you can basically be able to get a COVID test right now in probably different situations than we were a few months ago. I think that in some places, the the Rules or the regulations have been relaxed a bit. Uh, again, it's not uniform around the province. It's uh, it's d- different. Uh, works differently in different places. But I think you're going to see changes ongoing as we and we're going to get a big announcement on Tuesday about rapid tests, Jody. Uh, I think yeah. we're going to get a clarity on when we can start getting those take-home tests because I think the pressure is mounting on the government to get that done.